morning. My name's Althea. The doors are locked. Shut that, lock that door. <laughs> Don't let them out. <clears throat> right, this beautiful book. It is, honestly, it is my absolute privilege to start talking about this book. And as well as privilege, it's a great pleasure. It's fabulous. It's brilliant. We're only doing chapter one. I thought I was only doing half a chapter one till Friday. Then I discovered I was doing all of chapter one, which was terrifying. But here I am. Let's hope for the best. God's good. <clears throat> okay, in this book, a mystery is going to be revealed. A secret thing is going to be revealed. Treasures are available. And you're going to have a life-changing prayer. The main thing about this book is it's about the magnificence and the beauty and the majesty of Jesus. I love the fact that somebody snitched to the worship team that it was going to be all about Jesus. I don't know who told them, but I'm glad he did. <laughs> now, my, my connect group knows that we get homework, and they actually like it. Weird. They're very weird people. They like doing homework. And you've got homework, so don't think you're getting out of it. I want you to go through chapter 1, as Pastor Gary's asked you to read it, so you've got to do it now because he's asked you. Go through it and count how many references are there to Jesus. <clears throat> it might not say the word Jesus, but it will say in him, through him, for him, by him. Just count them. I'll have to think of a prize for the one who gets the right answer. All right, I'll, I'll get a prize. Okay. It's going to be appearing on the back. I won't keep turning around to see it because I can't focus on them, this, and that. Right, it was written by Paul, an apostle of Jesus. Straight away, an apostle of Jesus. Oh, it's there. Good, I'm not going to look anymore. The main thing is about this. Apparently, he'd never been there, but he was warning them because false teachers had started to creep in and suggest that Jesus was not God. And you might think, huh, how could they fall for that? Easy. We have the same danger now. I've heard of people saying things like, no, there wasn't a virgin birth, that's impossible. It's a fundamental belief. It was a virgin birth. Son of man, son of God. Oh, creation, that's all. That's just a fairy tale, you know, made up to make us understand what was going on. No. God created the heavens and the earth. And I personally think the reason people don't like that is because if God made everything, therefore we have a responsibility to him. And he's going to judge. He actually says that we are accountable for the state of the world, which is at the moment not a good thing. Now, you might think, oh, that was then, but 1 Timothy 4, verse 1 says, <clears throat> Now, the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, now, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. So basically, Paul was saying, then just under 2,000 years ago. Watch out in the latter days because there's going to be rubbish coming out. There'll be rubbish in the church. Be careful. It's rubbish. 
stick with the book. The only safe place is in the Bible. And it's wonderful anyway. It's just a sheer pleasure. Except maybe for some things. Now, think back to um, the Garden of Eden, the temptation. Satan didn't come in and say, oh, that was all rubbish, wasn't it? No. Has God said? That's how he started. So we get that little whisper. I wonder if that's right. Don't wonder. It's the word of God. Enjoy it. It's wonderful. Okay. The word of God is absolute truth. Now, verse 2. We've progressed from verse 1 already. It's written to the saints and faithful brethren in Messiah. And then he says, grace and peace. That's what his message is to us now. We are the saints. We are the faithful brethren in Mount Barker. Grace and peace. That's God's attitude toward us. Grace and peace. Not judgment and... That's coming. But for us, grace and peace. Now, verse 3. here's Paul saying, we give thanks to the God and Father of, guess who? Our Lord Jesus. You can join in, please. You're looking awfully serious. I'll have to smile more. Right. Paul, when he said this, give thanks, and then he says, I am praying always for you, was actually in prison, facing imminent death. And what's he doing? He's not sitting there sobbing and wailing and saying, oh God, get me out of here. No. He says, no, I'm praying. Thank you. I'm praying. That's amazing. Paul is wonderful. But he was just a man like us. And a woman. We're women as well, obviously. Now, what does he refer to? He says, I've heard of your faith and your love. That's in verse 4. He's heard of their faith and their love. Faith. We've spoken about faith recently. I just want to just do a a simple reminder about faith. To me, it's extremely simple, just as well, because I'm simple-minded, so that's okay. In the Amplified, it says, it's the leaning of your entire personality on God, confident of his power, his goodness, and his love. Once you cotton on to the fact that God is all-powerful. I mean, incredibly powerful. We have no idea how it's just phenomenal in his power. But with that power is goodness. Lots of people in the world want power. But if they're not good, it's dangerous. But God is good. He's wonderfully good. He's so gracious and kind. His attitude to us is grace and mercy. That's goodness. And it's love. I, don't, I dare not start on the love of God. Okay? Faith, he, the reason we can trust him is because he's powerful, yeah. he's good, yeah. and he loves us. Yeah. So faith is confidence in him. He is actually faithful. Yeah. And he means exactly what he says. I wish I had my Bible to hold up, to hug. Anyway, I can't hug an iPad, it's not the same. Anyway. Love for all the saints. That's amazing, isn't it? Because as you look around you, you might think, I'm not so sure about that one. (laughs) And as for him, well, I mean, you know, come on, be honest. 
scraping up into anything you get me later I know <clears throat> love for all the saints and unfortunately everybody else out there now love it's not just a feeling it's a nice feeling when you get the feeling I can vaguely remember falling in love eons ago it was wonderful but the feeling isn't what Jesus is talking about when he gave us the second command. We've only got two commands. Love God, love people. Yeah. That's it. It's a command. You don't get an option on a command. When Jesus says this is a command, he means do it. Yeah. But he enables us to do it because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. It's in there. Yeah. We've just got to let it out. Just go let it out. It's a choice. I would suggest obey. It's not an emotion most of the time. And the other thing, we move down a bit now. It talks about the grace of God in truth. Now, sorry, gone too far. <clears throat> it talks about the hope which is laid up for us in heaven. Hope, that's another thing we've got. A lot of people in the world have got no hope. They're desperately without hope, but we've got hope. In heaven, which means we have access to it. Because yeah. we're seated with him in heavenly places already. Technically, you're not just sitting there. You're also seated in heavenly places. It's yeah. true. Right. It's weird. It doesn't feel like it. It feels like I'm standing here. But actually, the real me is up there, seated in heavenly places. This body is just hanging about for a while. And one day, it will stop. And I'll be there. Like that. Yeah. Don't dwell on that. We'll be off. Now... Then he says, just before the end, uh, the end of verse 5, he talks about the truth of the gospel. The gospel. The simplest version I know of the gospel is it's good news. Yeah. It's great news. Yeah. God's not mad. Yeah. There's been times when I think, oh, I've let him down. He must be so disappointed. He must be angry with me. No, he's not. He doesn't get mad at us. Right. He loves us. He loves every human being on this planet. He's not mad. The gospel is hope, truth, mercy, grace, yeah. forgiveness, yeah. life, new life in him. Yeah. That's the gospel. Yeah, is anybody here who hasn't come into that knowledge of the gospel? I've got one word for you. Repent. Repent. Turn away. I mean, you won't believe this, but I used to be a really good sinner. I was good at sin. And I didn't realize it was bad. I thought it was life. I thought that's what you did. I was, you know, in the 70s. Look back at the... Um, oh, 70s, I shouldn't have said that, should I? Uh, in the past... <laughs> try, stop counting. I, I had to realise that this fun stuff I was doing was bad for me and bad for other people, and I had to stop, turn around from that and walk away from that walk to Jesus, receive forgiveness, deliverance and healing yeah. and become a new person. Yeah, it's the gospel. So if you're not sure, repent. And if you're watching online, repent and be in, in touch because we'll help you. There's people here who will help you and will love you and support you. Okay. Now, here's one for all of us. It also says in verse 6, the gospel is bringing forth fruit. The gospel brings forth the fruit. You don't. You're not the Holy Spirit. You have him, but you're not him. It's his job to bring forth the fruit. Our job 
is to tell people about the goodness of God, the love of God, the forgiveness, the mercy, and the life that's available. And then that's it. That's all you have to do. Plant the seed, water it with some love and prayer, and let the gospel do what it's supposed to do. The gospel will produce the fruit. It did in me. It did it with me. It do it with everybody. So tell them the gospel, love them, pray, and relax. Now, verse 9. Our clock's got to stop. Right, verse 9. We're now going into, remember I promised you a life-changing prayer? Here it is. I'm going to go through it very quickly. Actually, if the people who've got the prayer could hand it out real quick. I'm sorry, this might distract some of you. Now, pay attention. Come on. There's your need to focus. This prayer, it's up there anyway. Paul's saying, I do not cease to pray for you. He didn't stop praying. He didn't say, oh, I'm tired. I think I'll pop the telly on and watch something just to relax. No, he was praying continuously. Did not cease to pray for you and to ask. Now, we're going to look at what he asked. Just... Just think about this for a minute. As Chris said, eyes to see. Just see, see this in yourself. He's praying, be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Wisdom and spiritual. Imagine having so much wisdom that the next thing in verse 10, that you would walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, and being fruitful in every good work. Everything you set to hand to gets to be fruitful. That is amazing. Yeah. You get this by the wisdom and knowledge of God. Yeah. And then he'll cause you to walk worthy. You'll have a lifestyle that pleases him. Yeah. And you might think, that's a bit hard, but hang on. You will also get something more, more treasure. You will increase in the knowledge of God. Imagine, you might think you know something about God. There's more, there's so much more. Yeah. And we can increase in the knowledge of God. In fact, God is desperate for you, for me, to know him more. He wants us to know him intimately. Yeah, more intimately than a man and wife married. Yeah. It's that level of intimacy that God wants with you. He's yeah. jealous for you. I was horrified when I realized that God is jealous for my time. That's staggering. It's wonderful too. So, and look what he gives you in verse 11. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. Not our human weakness. Not our human ability. It does, that's not what he's after. He just wants you to accept his power. Okay, the next bit you don't want. Patience and long suffering words we don't like I certainly well I don't like them anyway patience that means just wait for it to happen God is not like that with everything sometimes he'll do that suddenly you'll get a sudden lane that's great when it happens but a lot of the time it's patience faith and patience produce you've got to persist a farmer doesn't plant something and get fruit immediately we've got little teeny weeny tomato plants there's no tomatoes on them. We've got to keep watering it, feeding it, eventually flowers. Then tomatoes. Then yummy. 
patience. Long-suffering. We'll change that word to say persistence, because I think it really means that. Persistence, perseverance, stick with it. Don't give up. If God said to you, if God's given you a word and he said to you, this is going to happen in your life, you are going to do such and such, he will do it. Be patient. Persevere. Stand there and say, you know, God, you said. I'll give you my testimony sometime. I'll I'll be living proof of that. Verse 13. He has delivered us. Not he will deliver us. We are delivered from the power of darkness. The world basically is in a state of serious darkness. It's probably darker. It's certainly darker than I've experienced in my very short life. It's pretty dark out there. And darkness has power. Unfortunately, the prince of the power of the air is running rampant, doing horrible things. However, you've been delivered out of that, picked up by God, lifted up, and put in the kingdom of the son of his love. We're in the kingdom of light. Put the light on, the darkness goes. Don't fear the darkness. Be the light for people and for yourself. Look at it. 14. In him we have redemption through his blood. It cost God everything to save me. The lifeblood of God himself shed for me. That's redemption, forgiveness of sins. Now, what I want you to do... I want you to find somebody that you didn't come with, not your best friends, not your friend from your connect group. Go to somebody that you may probably don't know. You might not know their name even. Go to somebody, and you've only got two minutes because otherwise my time's going to run out, and pray this for the person. And what I want you to do, I want you to use their name. Yep. Like pray, say for example, I pray for you, Pastor Gary, and to ask Pastor Gary that you be filled with the knowledge of his will. I pray, Pastor Gary, that you will walk worthy. Okay, two minutes, quick. Please, go pray for somebody. Pray it. And make a commitment to pray it again and again. That man hasn't got anybody. Pardon? No, not yet. The end.
on the podcast that we'll oh. put it in the description, the prayer in the description. Okay. Nice big amen. So be it. Now, people online, that prayer will be available to you uh, on the podcast. Right. Now, I'd like you to make a commitment to pray for that person regularly. If Paul was in prison, ceaselessly praying, I suspect you can waste two or three minutes of your time, not waste it, use it very profitably to pray for that person. Let's expect these things to happen in each other's lives. Okay. Redeemed. We are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Nothing more powerful, nothing more amazing. The blood of God himself. Redemption. It means bought. Basically, we belonged in the darkness and God shifted us out and he bought us with blood. Very expensive. You are very very precious. Really, oh gosh, I'm doing the Mr. Trump thing now. You're very, very precious. However, when you've been bought with a price, there's something you're required to do. You'll gradually get onto this. It's taken me a few years to realize this. Bought with a price, 2 Corinthians 6.18 says, we are not our own. We actually belong to him. We're not like totally free agents in a sense. We are the most free people on the planet. But in some ways, we are not free because we are bought with a price. We actually belong to God. We are his property. I can think of nobody safer to have me than him. I belong to him. That means I have to. You ready for this word? You ready? I have to. I have to. Obey. We had an excellent message from Dean the other week talking about children having to obey their parents immediately, thankfully. And I've forgotten the other one. He'll tell me off now. We have to obey. And you might think, but I want to do this. God wants me to do that. That that he wants you to do is more beneficial for you than what you think you would like to do. This body would like to do certain things, but it's not allowed to now. It is not allowed to eat as much chocolate as it wants because it's not good for me. That's a stupid example, but I don't want to go into serious examples. We are required to obey. And the good news is, when you realize you didn't obey, repent. Go back to him. I'm sorry. I blew it. I knew you wanted me to do this, but i rather watch a film and go and talk to that person, or whatever, whatever. Repent. He'll clean you up again and set you off again. We've always got repentance. We've always safe in the blood of Jesus to deal with those things. And the other thing about being bought is, this is wonderful. We're his responsibility. We're not our responsibility. There are times in life when I think, oh, I think, no, I'm his responsibility. It's his job to look after me. I don't have to look after me. I'm his responsibility. So I obey him, and he looks after me. And when I don't obey him, get forgiven. Start again. And being forgiven is not a light thing. It costs a lot. Okay, now, I love this bit. 
Verse 15 to 18, it should be on the back. I'm going to have to whiz through this, and it's a shame because it's brilliant. He. He. Jesus. There's another reference. I've given you one now. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. You want to know what God the Father's like? Look at the life of Jesus. Acts 10.38, I just think this is a beautiful verse. It says, God anointed the man, Jesus, with the Holy Spirit and power, and the man, God, Jesus, went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. All who were oppressed of the devil healed them. Whatever situation came to Jesus, healed, delivered, set free, lifted up. I love that one about the prostitute, not the prostitute, the, the woman caught in adultery. All the men are going, <laughs> I don't know who she had adultery with anyway. So she is thrown at his feet. He looks at her and says, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. That's Jesus. You want to know what God's like? Look at Jesus. Read the Gospels. I read the, I read the Gospels constantly. It's one of my regular, anyway, things. I constantly read in the Gospels. Look at it. In this passage, it says twice, he is the firstborn. At the beginning, it says he's the firstborn of all creation. And at the end, he says he's the firstborn from the dead. I'll come back to that in a minute. Creation was by Jesus. It says there, so he's in the middle of a verse. At the end of 16, the beginning of 17, all things were created through him and for him. Yeah. We exist for him. Yeah. If you're wondering what the point of life is, it's him. You exist for him. He's before all things and in him all things consist. He's basically, he holds the world together by the word of his power. That's how the universe is safe. It's not going to suddenly crack, move a millionth of a degree off center and collapse at the moment because he's upholding it with the word of his power. That's who Jesus is. So if you weren't sure whether Jesus is God, he is, he was, he always will be. He lived as a man and he demonstrated the power of God, but he was God. Now, firstborn, from the dead. I, when I realized this, I was absolutely staggered. So, he was crucified on the cross, shed his blood, died in the grave three days and three nights. That's three lots of 24 hours, won't go into that. And then he was raised from the dead. He's the firstborn from the dead. Prior to him, people were raised but they went, as he was, raised from three days of absolute death. I know Lazarus was, but this is a different thing with him. He's the firstborn from the dead. Something happened to him that didn't happen to Lazarus, and I don't know what it was, and I don't care. I just believe what this says. He's the firstborn from the dead. Now, put your hand up if you're born again. I'm not, I'm not going to look. Firstborn from the dead. You're born, you're born again? Born again from the dead. We were dead in our sins. We received life, became to be a new creation. That's what happened to him. 
It's amazing, isn't it? I never realised that, isn't it? I, I never clocked that. Firstborn from the dead. He's the preeminent. He is the absolute everything. Verse 19, it pleased the Father that in him, in Jesus, all the fullness should dwell. By him, hopefully it's there, to reconcile all things to himself. Whether things in heaven, da 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 Having made peace through the blood of his cross. I can't do every word, I'd love to. Okay. We are reconciled by the blood of the cross. Now, verse 21. When were we reconciled? Verse 21, it tells us very plainly, when we were alienated and enemies. We used to be his enemy. Enemy. Imagine, I can't think of two warring parties. There are many of them. Warring parties, absolute enemy. That's when he died. He didn't die when you were nice, because you went anyway. Even I wasn't that nice. He died when we were his enemies. That's called love. You are so loved. It's wonderful. Okay. Now, what has he done? Verse 23. No, hang on. We won't do 23 yet. There's a big word there. Now he has reconciled us. I love this word reconciled. It means we are just bang in a relationship with God. A beautiful relationship with God. Now, when we're reconciled, we are also given a purpose. Because it says in 2 Corinthians 5.20, I'll quote it because it's, I'm going to get it perfect. We are made ambassadors for Messiah. As though God were ambassadors, first of all. That is a very high position. Because you're representing a country. You are not bound by the laws of, if I was an ambassador to Israel, oh, that would be bliss. If I was the ambassador to Israel, I would not be bound by the laws of Israel. I would be bound by the laws of my country. Because I represent my country. It's a very, very high office. You are an ambassador. The word says so. It must be true. You're an ambassador for him. But listen to this. As though God were pleading through us, be reconciled to God. Can you Visualize God pleading, pleading with people, be reconciled. And I plead now, if there's anybody here or online, if you don't know God, I plead with you while there's time. Be reconciled to God. Life with God is absolutely wonderful. Be reconciled to God. When we've been reconciled, look what we get at the end of verse 22. He presents us holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Doesn't what other people think about you. It really does not matter what other people think about you. Don't let that one pull you down. It matters what he thinks about you. And he looks at you and he sees holy and blameless and above reproach because you've repented of all the bad things. You've repented of when you've missed and he just sees you look at that beautiful that is amazing that's Elle isn't she beautiful look at her they're all going look at her she's beautiful look at him that's Adrian he's, he's, he's gorgeous that's the truth of it when God looks at you he sees beauty he sees beauty when he looks at you you he sees beauty 
you'll notice there's an if. If. I can't see it, actually. I'll read it. If, indeed, there's an if, there's a condition here. That stops you for a minute. If you continue in the faith. Continue in it. Continue believing what God says. Because what God said is absolute truth. Anything else is incorrect. It's easy. The Bible's true. Everything else is not true. They might have a glimmer of truth. They might have pinched a little bit of truth, like Satan did when he was tempting Jesus. He said a little bit of truth, but he twisted it. Don't let anybody twist the pure word of God. Continue. Look at this. Grounded and steadfast. Not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Stay grounded in the word. How do you get grounded in the word? Read it. Speak it. Read it aloud. That's so powerful. Read it aloud. Read it aloud. I have a beautiful friend that I live in the house. We live in the house together. I hear her reading the word a lot. I have to shut my door because in the middle of the night she'll be reading the word and I won't be able to sleep. (laughs) It's true. Read the word. Speak it out loud. Give your testimony. Tell people what God's done for you. It's very, very powerful. Do not be moved away from the hope of the gospel. Right. Oh, you'll really like this bit. You ready? 24. You ready? Paul. You've got to be there because you won't believe me. Paul says, I now rejoice in my sufferings. I can't go into that. There's a very deep issue there. Which I haven't got time to go into. He rejoiced in his sufferings because he knew that what happens here in this body isn't the key issue. And I'm not belittling suffering. I have experienced it. We all experience it. And some people experience more than others, and I don't know the answer to that one either. But I do know this. That God is faithful. God is love. God is just. God is merciful. And Paul experienced tremendous sufferings. He was shipwrecked, I believe, Several times he spent a night and a day in the ocean. He was constantly hounded and chased from one village city to another city. He spent his life on the run, basically. He was accused of all sorts of things. And yet he stuck with it. He was grounded and steadfast. He carried on preaching the gospel because he would not be swayed by what anybody said or did. He was doing what God wanted. And he, he, they always, they always think about Paul. He's just a genius. I mean, this brilliant rabbi, his knowledge of the word, of oh, the revelation he got. But the love that he shared, I, I realized that when you read Paul's letters, you get the depth of the love that he had for the people. Passionate, passionate man. And I promised you a mystery. Verse 26. This is phenomenal. This is the absolute. There are several mysteries in there. That's another bit of homework. Read about the other mysteries, but this one, 26. The mystery, hidden from ages and generations. This is something that Abraham didn't know, Moses didn't know, King David, who was very intimate relationship with God, he didn't know this. None of them knew it. It's hidden from ages and generations, but now revealed to us his saints... That's you. The riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. We used to be 
outside of the Commonwealth of Israel. We have been grafted in to all of Israel's blessings. And we have this incredible thing that we have. Nobody else has ever had this before prior to this. Now, Christ, Messiah, in you, the hope of glory. The Son of God, the living Son of God is in you. In you. He's in there. By his Holy Spirit, he's inside us. That's powerful. Let the power out. Him we preach. Now listen to what. This is vitally important, this bit. Him. Who's him? Pardon? Oh, say it louder. Who's him? Jesus. Jesus. Oh, well, that's the best I'm going to get from you. That's terrible. One more time. Who's him? Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Him we preach. We preach Jesus. Verse 28, we preach Jesus, warning every man and teaching every man to present every man. I mean, us girls too. Perfect in Messiah. This was... Paul's role in life, to present a human being perfect in Messiah. Now, the early church had a very simple message. They preached one thing, Jesus. They preached Jesus, just Jesus. They didn't preach about him. They didn't preach theories about him. They preached him, preached Jesus. It is my absolute conviction that when we just preach Jesus, we'll see what happened in the early church. Another bit of homework. Tell was a teacher, can't you? Can't help it. Acts 2, Peter's sermon. Read it. What did he do? He preached Jesus. He said who Jesus is. He referred to the Old Testament. This is what Jesus did. This is, this is all the prophecies about Jesus. Not all of them. Some handful of the prophecies about Jesus. At the end of Peter's sermon, 3,000 people were added to the church. There is immense power in preaching Jesus. There is immense power talking about Jesus. There is immense power reflecting Jesus. Our task is to present Jesus, to reconcile people to Jesus. And I think there's power in this place now because all I've been talking about is Jesus. So, do you need anything? No? Oh, good. We can stop now and have lunch. If you need something, please get up. We've got people here who will help you. Please. We preach Jesus, the power will happen because that's how it works. Preach Jesus. I've preached Jesus. I've spoken about Jesus. Now I firmly expect the power of God to do something different in your life. When Peter preached Jesus, 3,000 people got born again like that. 3,000, not one person, which is wonderful. 3,000 People were healed, set free, delivered by Jesus. Do you need anything? Anything. Do you need a job? Do you need healing? Do you need encouragement? Do you need anything? Come out and these will pray for you.
Nobody? Come on. Jesus is in. Jesus wants to do something for you. He wants to do something for you. Jesus is in the room. These people are going to pray for you. I'll pray for you if we get this thing off. Jesus. Just Jesus. Him we preach. Jesus. Jesus. 